Welcome back to that one sports podcast. I'm your host, Mitch Wilson, and you already know who I always got with me, my brother from another mother, Chris Hell. Chris, what do we got coming up on the show today, my brother? Well, today we have some good topics here. The first thing we're going to talk about is NBA All-Star Weekend. Um, I, I know that's passed a little bit, but we got a couple things to, to chat about. Curious to get your opinion on a few things. Then we got the MLB pitch clock, which I'm extremely excited to, excited to talk about that. That's something I thought the MLB should do for a long time. And then we're going to go right into the NFL Combine um, and maybe finish up with a little bit of NBA talk if if we've got time. So let's go ahead and jump right into it. NBA All-Star Weekend, one of the highlights for the NBA. I've been watching the NBA All-Star Weekend ever since I can remember and let's just get into it. The three-point contest, that man, Damian Lillard, won the three-point contest. Also was, the, to my knowledge, the first time that a Portland Trailblazer had won the contest. That just goes to show you how great of a shooter he is. I think that since he does play in Portland, I think that he is obviously one of the best players in the NBA, but because he plays in Portland, I don't think that he really gets the recognition that he deserves. Um, He's also the type of guy that I hope that once um, he gets to a point in his career that hopefully he maybe gets traded so he can have a chance to win win the chip because he's one of those, in my opinion, one of the good guys in the league that does everything right. And you just hope at some point in his career that he will have the opportunity to to play for a championship. And I will say it was also interesting because how often in the three-point contest you have two guys from the same team, the Pacers. To be honest, I didn't even know. Like, I obviously knew about Buddy Hill, but I had no idea who. Halliburton. Andrew, yep, Halliburton. And so just having those two guys in the three-point contest, the Pacers should obviously, in my opinion, be a pretty good shooting team. So, Yeah, you know, I'm going to kind of be the negative Nancy. I feel like I always am on this podcast between you and I something that I I kind of sound old sometimes I'm not a fan of NFL Pro Bowl and the NBA All-Star Weekend because the internet has watered down all of that skill stuff when people wonder why the dunk contest or why the three-point contest or All-Star Weekend isn't like it used to be when we were growing up is because we've got instant knowledge at our fingertips. And the three-point contest is not as much as the dunk contest, but like the dunk contest, I can go on my phone right now and go to YouTube and type up 540 dunk, and you'll see 15 people at a LA fitness gym doing it. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. And, And we say, well, we want the stars to do it. I kind of agree with LeBron why he's never done it. It's like, you've already seen it, and it was special back then, not only because it was the stars doing it, because it was things we never seen. You couldn't go to a random gym and watch a guy do a 360 dunk between his legs, but everyone does it now, just random people that have no star quality. So turning on the All-Star Weekend for me, it just seems watered down. The three-point contest, I will say, still has some flair, because you can't just go set up a three-point contest somewhere. You right. know, there's not going to be a rack of balls. And the way that the NBA is starting to lean, we think the three-point is more sexy than the dunk. It's starting to get that way. So Reggie Miller made a comment that I agree with. 
I think you move the three-point contest to the main event. The dunk contest is is great, and Mac McClung, and we'll talk about him, what he did, but it took a G-leaguer to even inject that thing with any type of flair. The last great dunk contest, respect to Aaron Gordon and respect to Zach Levine, the last great dunk contest was Vince Carter. It just... He was the last iconic image that I'll ever have. He went in there and did dunks no one ever seen before. It got watered down. It's not what it used to be. And I think the three-point contest is starting to close the gap into the event. And I would not be surprised if Reggie Miller's prediction is true and the three-point contest is the main event. Yeah, I would agree, but I do say uh, one part I'd probably disagree is why LeBron doesn't do it. I think one of the things that made it special back in the day is you had Michael, you had Dominique, you had those elite-level guys that went and competed. LeBron, ever since he's been in the league, has never done it. And you could say because, you know, you're not going to see a dunk that's never been done. Okay, cool, but one of the things that made the dunk contest great back in the day is because you knew Michael Jordan was going to be in the dunk contest. Dominic Wilkins was going to be in the, be in the dunk contest. Those guys you knew were going to compete. And so I feel like that in this new age, there's not that desire to, to compete because essentially in LeBron's eyes and John Morant is, you know, I'm essentially an asset now. I'm not going to do anything to put myself in harm's way of getting hurt. And because of that, because I'm getting paid this amount of money, I'm not going to do that. Well, because it's the ultimate way to flex. You know, when we were growing up and even before us, the ultimate way that an athlete could flex was how many rings do you got? And how many slam dunk championships do you got? These players have turned into high functioning automobiles, right? They're, they're high performance. So, we say we want them to compete, but how upset would you be? And then I'm asking this from a fan's perspective. How upset would you be if Patrick Mahomes tore his rotator cuff in a accuracy competition in the NFL skills? He, he's out. So he hurts himself and he's out for the season. Or what if you're a Laker fan and your your team is good? They're not good right now, but they're good. <laughs> And LeBron goes to dunk it and he tears his ACL. Are you really as a fan then going to say, man, I wish you'd have competed? Because the grand scheme of things, it's just for the fans. That that sure. trophy doesn't mean anything anymore. The reason why it had such a good feel in Jordan's days is because it was new. It was like Dominique did it and Dr. J and dunking was it. And not everyone could dunk. There was very few people who could dunk in games. Nowadays, everyone on your roster is super athletic and they all can dunk. And it doesn't mean that because you're athletic, you're better. So I don't want these old heads coming at me. Well, don't say that. Listen, skill is different than being athletic. Totally. Okay. I'm not saying that you're more skilled or not. I mean, from a pure athleticism, everybody on the Lakers team can probably dunk. Austin Reeves, who looks like he's going to work for Enterprise when he retires, can dunk. You know what I mean? Like, oh yeah. So for LeBron to go waste his time in that, I'm actually not a LeBron fan, but I don't disagree with him in that regard. I think either you get rid of the dunk contest or you do something with it to where maybe there's a member from every team or someone from every team. Dude, Mac McClung, if he did not go do what he did, that would have been the laughing stock. 
the guy isn't even in the NBA right now. They put him back to the G League. Yeah, which I think that's a mistake. I think he's got game. So, oh, yeah, I agree. So, speaking of him, uh, Chris, uh, uh, why don't you go ahead and get into your thoughts on him in the dunk contest? Well, you know, not to bring up race or anything, but anytime a fellow Caucasian can get up like that and he's six foot two, it's definitely impressive. Um, People say that they think it's going to help his stock. Again, I'm going to come from the negative light. I don't think dunking is going to get him on an NBA team. I do and will not argue with somebody if they say that it brings exposure, because I will agree with that. It put his name more on the map, but he's got to follow that up with with better play. You know, his first game back in the G League, he had eight points. Like, you can't just be a dunker. There's plenty of people that can just dunk. You know, Aaron Gordon was a great dunker, and, you know, that didn't necessarily translate well. Dominique Wilkins was a great dunker and a great player. Michael Jordan was a great dunker and a great player. Name the last person that you've even seen compete in a dunk contest that you would say is a good player outside of the dunk contest. Maybe Zach Levine. He's turned into a pretty decent player. But is there anyone else past Dwight Howard when him and Nate Robinson were going at it that you would really say is good outside of the dunk contest? So I just hope this doesn't make Mac McClung get his 15 minutes of fame and then people now relegate him to, well, yeah, he's a dunker. He'll probably come back to defend his title but he's really not good enough for the NBA. Do you get what I mean? Oh, for sure. And so, man, I've been a fan of Mac McClung since high school. He obviously Gate went, City, baby, Gate City. He uh, obviously went viral in high school for his dunking ability. But if you watch his high school highlights, like he was not just a dunker; he was a scorer. So much that he broke Allen Iverson's high school point record in the state. Yeah, so, but that's just, that's just high school. Remember, Patrick only averaged like 36 points I a know. game. But what I'm saying is he goes to Georgetown. He plays at Georgetown, then moves to Texas Tech. And so my thing is, is that, man, he won the dunk contest. Like you said, he already got sent down to the G League. He's got to continue to get better. But like you said, he put his name on the map. So he's got to take advantage of that opportunity and show scouts that he can score. But let me tell you, that dunk contest, bro, the first dunk when he jumped over both of them dudes, put it off the backboard, and dunked it backwards, I was like, you know what they say about, you know, white boys in the NBA? If they white, they got to be tight. And boy, he was, man. Bro, he, I can't tell you how many times I've told you that, being a Caucasian. If you are going to be white, in any sport, you got to be tight. I mean, you you got to bring it. Just like uh, he says off the movie, remember the Titans. That's a bad white boy right there. <laughs> when Sunshine flips that guy over. Right, right. And, and everybody can dunk now, right? Like it used to be when we were playing, hey, white guy shot. The brothers went down, dunk. Dude, everyone dunks now. Have Have you seen that Jordan Killigong guy or whatever on YouTube? Dude. Dunker. Some of the dunks he pulls off, I'm like, that's what I mean by I think the All-Star Weekend, it's the same thing that we talk about with the NFL. It's losing some of its luster that it used to have. The only one that I still tune into, because I just think it's still brute strength and just cool to see, is the Home Run Derby. I, I still oh. like 
run derby. It's just a dude with the bat and he's up there and he's just shooting moonshots into the sky. It's right. like, wow, man, that right. is that is awesome. Yeah, and I think honestly why Mac McClellan won the dunk contest, obviously his dunks were great, but what made his performance impressive is that he got his dunk, or excuse me, he made his dunk on every first attempt. And it wasn't just like barely getting it. He was grabbing that. He was grabbing that rim like, ha. I mean, there was some authority behind that dunk. And how yeah. often have we gotten so burned out on the dunk contest of guys just attempting dunk after dunk and finally after the fourth time they get it, but by the fourth time it's not impressive anymore because we've seen you miss it three times. Yeah, but, his first dunk to me was the most impressive. And then I'd probably say his 540 after that was just – I mean, I know the double clutch is extremely difficult to pull off, but 540 was nice, but just the smoothness of that jump, hits it off the backboard, and then has the athletic ability to put it behind his head. <sighs> basket. It was crazy. It's, it was it's crazy. great. Well, so, that's that's my thoughts on the, on the NBA All-Star Weekend. Three-point contest, I think, again, will eventually take over, but we'll see. Moving to moving sports here, MLB pitch clock. This is something I alluded to in the opening. I have wanted the MLB to put a pitch clock on for a long time. This today's game's too slow. I mean, nowadays with how everyone wants instant gratification, everyone wants it to speed up. The MLB was losing ratings due to the game's taking too long. I mean, no one wanted to see 14 different pitches changes, pitching changes. No one wants to see a guy throw one pitch and wait forever while he's rubbing the ball. Guy going out of the batter's box and fixing every single ounce of equipment on him. Let me tie my shoe. Let me fix my shin guard. Let me fix my elbow. Let me fix my gloves. Let me fix this. It's like, dude, get in there. I think the pitch clock is good for baseball. I think it's going to bring in more ratings, especially when those games start to go faster. If you start to see MLB games going from four hours to two hours and 45 minutes to three hours, you're going to get a lot of TV ratings again. That's just my opinion. Okay, well, speaking of that, I have have some few numbers for you. So average time of MLB baseball game, spring training of 2022, the average was three hours and one minutes since they have instituted the pitch clock. It is now two hours and 38 minutes. And there has been a handful of games that have been under two and a half hours. So to your point with instant gratification, if they can continue to speed up the game, I think it's good. I think especially because baseball is losing out on fans that especially when the season starts schools in session, a lot of parents don't want to take their kids to a game that starts at seven o'clock. Absolutely, and not get home till eleven thirty midnight. Exactly, and so now um, I don't know what other organizations have doing, but I know that the Royals this year have changed some of their games early in the in the season to start instead of at seven ten, they're starting like at six thirty five and six forty because it gives parents the opportunity to bring their kids to the game and still be home at a decent hour, which that's smart because then that's going to help with the revenue of more people wanting to come out to the game and know that they'll be able to get home at a decent hour to get and their absolutely, kids to the Absolutely, because one thing baseball has that no other sport has to me is charm. 
baseball has a beautiful charm to it. You know, the, the stadiums are gorgeous. Like we're from Kansas city and anyone that listens to this outside, they know they're going to be able to hear it in our conversations. We're homers. I'm not necessarily a Royals fan, but Kauffman stadium is a beautiful stadium. It's one of those on those 81 degree days you would choose to be there. It's not, hey, I just got tickets for me. Can I go to a game? The game is awesome. The weather's nice. The food's good. You're watching a good game. But when you look up at the clock and you're two hours in and they're in inning five and you're like, oh my gosh, can this game go? I also think an aspect that we don't talk enough about is it's going to require players to be in better shape. And that's what I think is going to be cool to see. We're not going to see these people who look just like us that are out of shape playing third base or walking up there as a pitcher and they look like your granddad or they look like they're your buddy down the street that doesn't pass up an alcoholic beverage. I want to see athletes. And if you watched the spring training, you see how fast that pitcher has to get back to the mound and how fast that batter has to get back. I like that there is an element of quickness to the game now. And I hope the MLB doesn't get rid of it because I know the players are are moaning and groaning. Hey, change is always hard, but I'm telling you this change, in my opinion, is going to be great for the game. I agree. I also know that there have been already a couple of crazy instances with the pitch count. I believe, and I'm, I don't know if I'm 100% correct, but I do believe it involved your Atlanta Braves, I think. There was an instance a couple of days ago where it was, it was. I know. <laughs> so the the Atlanta Braves had the bases loaded in the bottom of the ninth inning, and they were down a couple, one or two runs. And because the batter did not get ready in enough time for the pitcher to pitch the ball, it, I believe it was a full count. The umpire called strike three. So you had bases loaded, bottom of the ninth inning. And the guy strikes out because he wasn't ready in enough time. And the managers have already come out and said that that they're glad that they're enforcing this in the spring training because players have to adjust. Because could you imagine if that, if that was a regular season game and that oh, happens? So the players oh. have to adjust. The managers want the umpires to enforce the rule. So come regular season time the players are ready and i'll tell you what they better get ready because i don't think a lot of them are gonna like being rung up because they're not (laughs) ready to hit the incoming pitch and so i think this is a great thing for the mlb it's going to speed the game up it's going to evolutionize and get baseball really into this century i think which is really great for mlb and it's great for us as fans so Now, while we're talking about baseball really fast, this wasn't really on the agenda, but overall the changes that they made in general, the pitch timer, shift restrictions, uh, they increased the base size. I don't know if you knew that. Yep. Baseball, to me, has always been fun to watch, but I kind of went away from it, and I really only paid attention to the Braves and the playoffs because of the length of time. But now I think with – what they're doing for scoring, the bases being bigger. So what do you think that's going to lead to? More aggressive base running and stealing, right? And it's going to be easier to to hopefully get on base and maybe you can steal and get a piece of the bag, what you couldn't two years ago. I think shift restrictions. You're going to get these great players that now you're not punished for being a dead pull hitter. It's like, hey, 
I don't care if you're a righty and can only hit it to left field. Get up there, clench your butt cheeks, and swing at it. Let's go. Like, and now right. you're not get robbed by five infielders being between second and third base. It's like, hey, I'm probably going to get a hit, and now I don't have this. Let me try to go. And I know the purest of the sport don't like that. They like that you had to, you know, do this or do that. My argument is, dude, it's like that every game. Like football, your argument of why defense, you like defensive battles, those are cool every once in a while, right? Like, hey, two defenses can show up. It's a nine to six game. You got weather elements. It makes sense. But no one wants to see a whole season of their team only scoring 14 points in football, just like baseball. Every once in a while, those defensive battles, those one to zero, those pitching duels or defensive battles, they're great to see, but I don't want to see out of 162 games, 150 of them like that. No one does. So I think all the rules in general, it's going to put baseball back up. I'm happy to see it. I can't wait to go to my first game and see it live. Oh, I agree. And if you think about it, all of the rule changes that baseball has put into place has done what? has sped up the game and made the game more attractive for fans for essentially, in my opinion, more scoring opportunities. You have have bigger bases, so you have guys that are really quick, have a better chance to steal bases. And I also think maybe they made the bases a little bit bigger because I feel like in the last probably five to eight years, I feel like that the – infielders have gotten really good about tagging players and kind of in that tag pushing them off the base so now so now this gives the runner a little bit of a opportunity not to be pushed off that base and then also well like you said shifts like why should a great hitter be punished for being a pull hitter like he shouldn't like that's dumb so i'm really excited i think that everything that they have put in place this year has been great for baseball and like you said i'm super excited to see it live to see the pitch count to see guys being able to truly hit how they want to hit and not be you know essentially be hurt because of it because now you're yeah. not going to have all those five guys on, on on the right side of the of the infield just waiting for that ground ball to come so i'm super happy i'm glad that we're doing i'm glad that's being done the mlb is on the right track to getting more of their fan base back so now switching gears we're going to go to the NFL Combine. Starts today. A lot of people like the Combine. I do like the Combine. I feel like it's a great opportunity for players to, you know, show what they can do. But I will say I do think that some some players, in my opinion, and this is just my opinion, I feel that some players, when it comes to Combine, test really well. They test really well. But to me, there is a huge difference between being able to test well in the combine setting and being a football player. Just because you can go run a 4-2 doesn't mean you're going to be a great receiver. I want to see how fast you get in and out of your breaks. What type of route tree can you run? You know, there are many different things that go into that. So I think that sometimes I feel like guys get elevated because of the combine performance. Now, it's a completely different story if you have a guy who tests really well and on tape, is just an absolute set on the football field. Then that goes hand in hand. I think the times where GMs have trouble is you have a an average football player who his tape is just very average, but then he goes to the combine and he does really well. So then at that point, they're put into a position is, is this guy a really great football player or does he test really well? So 
again, love the combine. So glad that we have it. You know, um, anything football related, I love. And, you know, I'm just hoping uh, Brett Veach and Andy Reid are, are looking for the uh, next all-pro player for the Chiefs. Yeah, and I love your point about just because you test well doesn't mean that you're going to be a great athlete. There are so many intangibles and tangibles that have to merge together to make you a successful athlete. I use the analogy of business. I have the opportunity to be higher up for a for a multi-billion dollar company, which is great, but we see a lot of the inner workings too. And I'll tell you, the combine to me is like a resume. Just because you're smart on paper doesn't mean you're going to be a good employee. And then even to go further, it doesn't mean you're going to be a good employee and also fit for our company. Same way with the combine. Just because you're six foot three and run a four three and your combine or your your broad jump was great and you did well in the gauntlet, that's just a resume, right? You're just building that resume up. But that doesn't mean that one, once you get paid, you're going to be a good athlete and a good member of our franchise. And then even further, that doesn't mean you're going to fit with us because you might be good somewhere else like San Francisco, but you may not do well in Cleveland because the one thing the combine doesn't do and why I've never put a ton of stock into what anyone does at the combine is the combine highlights all of the easiness of the sport, right? First off, when have you ever seen someone run 40 yards straight? How often? Not often. They're either zigging and zagging and they have to dodge people. Even when they run their route, it's different, right? You're in pads. Someone's holding on you. When would you ever see a receiver actually run the gauntlet? Oh, yeah, that's right. Never. There's <laughs> football on the field. They're not going to catch from nine different places. Broad jump. When are you ever really going to just be able to stand there and tr- tr- use your true leaping ability to get up and catch a ball? Never. And a quarterback. All those guys can spin it in the combine, so of course they're going to be able to hit somebody running a slant with nobody in their face. You know how much it changes when you've got someone like Chris Jones running at you? It changes everything. And I don't know why people put stock into the combine except for one thing, and you alluded to this. If you are an average player in college and you just haven't got the foot, or sorry, you're a good player in college, but you just have not got the exposure. Your combine can put you over the top. They can say, oh, we've never really seen a lot of footage of this kid. Let's look at him. And if I went there as a receiver and I was 6'3 and I ran a 4'2, but I also had 97 catches last year as a senior and scored 11 touchdowns, but I played for St. Louis University, they might go like, wow, we've never seen this kid. Now let's look at them. That's what I think happened to Carson Wentz and Jared Goff. And you get some of these people that get looked at and they're like, wow, they did really well in the combine. And if you look them up, they played really well too. I think that's the only thing that the NFL combine really does. I don't know if you heard this, Mitch, but the NFL PA and uh, DeMarie Smith want to get rid of the combine. There's actually the next CBA to get rid of the combine because they feel like with this day and age, there's more than enough footage of whether or not you're going to take somebody. So send them out there or why not change the combine? I would love it if they gave those players pads. 
Oh, yeah, 100%. And compete. Let's see you run a 40 in pads. Let's see you go run your route in pads. Let's see you throw a football in pads. Let's see you do it all in the equipment you're actually going to be in. Or or I would say, in my opinion, I think it would be better just to have it like the senior bowl setting. Have those put them in in shorts and pads, right? And defense alignment, offense alignment, have your one-on-ones. Receivers and DBs. Get the pads on, go have your one-on-ones, and just have them compete. Because then at that point, at least you see them competing with someone at their level. And then you can really, really see, hey, yeah, he runs 4-2, but how how good does he get in and out of his break with somebody on his hip? And well, how- and also, as an athlete, as an employer, because that's what you are when you're buying somebody, right? And I, I don't mean buying them in the sense like you own them, but – we forget business. You're basically buying into a person that they're going to be able to do well, and make you money. The combine doesn't show if this person's going to practice hard on a Wednesday and how well he's going to play after one week. You know, yeah, you look great when you have to test all your skills, but what are you going to do in a game setting? What are you going to do with fans saying F you and cussing at you and yelling and just not even F you, just all types of obscenities at you? Right. What are you going to do as a player? And I think they've taken the combine and they try to trick us like it's football. And it's not. That's like the equivalent of the MLB doing a combine playing wiffle ball. Going, well, geez, man, <laughs> he can sure hit a wiffle ball uh, a country mile. Yeah, but that's not baseball. So I agree with you. Either do a senior kind of bowl or get them together. Maybe just put them in shells and say, we're going to play a version of flag football. Like at least that's closer to we'll still have you guys block. We'll see how you get off of people, how you can read routes. Because as a DB and as a linebacker, wouldn't you want to see them do that? Oh, absolutely. absolutely. Read a play, do this. So I, I think the combine is not on its last thread or anything, but I do think they're going to start making tweaks to it. I think essentially this is just the NFL's way to continue to have eyes on them because I think the NFL has the greatest marketing in the world. Because if you think about it, they actually only play like seven or eight months of the year, but there's something essentially every month that draws you to the NFL, whether it be the combine, whether it be free agency, you know? So it's like, I think it's just in their marketing scheme to have this, to essentially always keep eyes on them, and which I think is really smart because if you think about it, the Super Bowl was just two weeks ago, and now it's combine, and then you yeah, have- and they only play five months, Mitch. The actual games themselves are only about five months, and that's if you go into January deep as a playoff team. Exactly, so- and yeah. so you have so you have February Super Bowl, into February combine, March you have free agency. April, you have the draft. May you have, you start to have mini camp, pre-training camp. July, you have the start of training camp. And then August starts the preseason. So essentially, they have something going on every month. And just from a marketing standpoint, and that's just why they are so great at what they do, is because there's not any month of the year that the NFL doesn't have something going on that draws your eye to them. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, the combine, I think, is always going to get someone to talk about it. Someone's going to run some blazing 4-1 or or like you talked about, some great NFL player 
a prospect, some great prospect to be in the NFL, a great college player, is going to show up who we thought was great and they're going to make their stock go higher or they're going to be not as good. And and I, I think the gimmick sometimes can get people in a trap. Zach Wilson is a great example. Zach Wilson went up in draft boards because of one throw. He rolled out left, put his foot in the ground, and chucked a 60-yarder or something. That was just an absolute bomb that he threw. And now, now everybody wanted him. Everybody wanted him. And I don't know about you, but I think Zach Wilson is booty. Not good. Right. Yeah, and I would say, unfortunately for him, I think that he got more media press over the whole his mom and that whole situation. Cougar. Uh, Cougar. Yeah, exactly. So he's known more for what he's done off the field than what he's done on the field. So that's, you know, obviously that's never good if you're an athlete, if you're no, if you're more known for what, you, what you've done off the field. So, yeah, not good for him. Uh, you have any uh, closing thoughts? Yeah, so you know how we always close with something kind of interesting. Yeah. Um, so today, watching the NBA All-Star Weekend and watching the Celebrity Game, it posed a question that I want to ask you. Okay. So watching DK Metcalf, who you would say is probably one of the best athletes in the NFL, right? Yes. Granted, he can dunk and everything, but watching him play basketball and knowing that he's one of the better athletes that the NFL has to offer it solidifies it for me NBA players are the greatest athletes on the planet do you agree yeah I agree um one of my favorite podcasts show New Heights with Travis Kelsey and Jason Kelsey this is one of their big has been one of their big debates this year is can NFL players play in the NBA no I don't think so I would say if there was, there'd be a very small amount of them that could, if any. And they obviously, by no means, they would not be the star. They would be, uh, they would be a role player, like eight, ninth guy on the bench to just, you know. But yeah, I think NBA athletes are absolutely just, you know, ridiculous. And vice versa, I think the way the NFL set up now, where it's much more of a finesse league, I think the NBA could play in the NFL. I think if you ask that question in the early 2000s with Palomalu and Dawkins and Ed Reed and them boys and just the way they hit even in the 90s, I don't think Michael Jordan, who was the best in the 90s that the NBA had to offer, would have been a good football player. I don't think Dominique Wilkins would have been a good football player, John Stockton. But nowadays, the way the NFL is kind of merging into like a seven-on-seven, really, and you can't hit and – the way that you have to hit a quarterback and the way you can't hit across the middle. I think there is a plethora of NBA players who could be a pretty decent wide receiver or a tight end. I do. I I am a football guy and I want to sound tough and be like, no, now I'm not saying their bodies would hold up. That's a whole different story. I, I don't know if their bodies after taking a hit after a week or two would hold up, but I mean, from a pure skill position, and a pure skill sales uh, standpoint, I don't think the NFL translates to the NBA as well as the NBA would translate to the NFL. Okay, agreed. I think from a straight athleticism standpoint, absolutely they could. But my thing is, is let's just be real and let's just be honest. They play basketball for a reason, and that's no, you know, you know, no slide to them by any means. But bro, once they got hit once or twice, they would be done. 
hundred percent they would be done. Oh yeah, and that's why I don't even argue the argument of could their body hold up or or are they tough enough men- mentally to play that sport? Wholeheartedly, will not argue. But just from a pure skill standpoint and athleticism, NBA players are the greatest athletes, and that's why I can't stand when soccer players are like. That's not true. It wouldn't matter if our number one sport was soccer. Yes, it is. Lionel Messi is not a great athlete. He is skilled and everything, but he is not a specimen. Cristiano Ronaldo, you know, they timed him on his 40-yard dash, and it was like a 4-8, 4-7. And he's the one of the greatest soccer players. Soccer uses one part of your body. So how can you say in a sport where all you use is your feet, that you could be a great athlete. That's physically impossible. You you use half of your body. In basketball, I have to run, jump, cut, shoot, dribble, all of this simultaneously. Don't give me some argument because everyone plays soccer that now that just means you're a great athlete. It doesn't mean any of that. The only reason why more countries play that sport is because they don't have any money. And that's all they can afford is a little ball to kick around in a goal. <laughs> Okay. All right. I, I can tell you're very passionate. You got me heated, man. I yeah. soccer bugs me. And yeah. it just bugs me because not that I don't want want to cheer for the US or cheer for any of them, but this whole athletic thing, you're nuts. If LeBron James wanted to play goalie, we would dominate every country. A six foot eight athletic man like that sitting in the goal, you might as well go home. That's a very interesting no one's yeah, scoring on LeBron James. Could you imagine Russell Westbrook, 6'3", how fast he is playing midfield? But does or, he have the endurance, though? But the endurance is easy to get. You just got to run. That's yeah. like saying, can you get your biceps bigger? Yeah, I can eat more and take steroids. <laughs> like, Tyreek Hill, if you told him to go run more mileage, he would run. Now, granted, they would have to learn to play the game. I'm not saying you could take LeBron James right now. I'm saying... LeBron James grew up playing soccer as much as he played basketball, and all of our great athletes did that in the United States. We would probably win 80% of the World Cups. We just have better athletes. The Olympics show that. We just naturally have more athletes. If they played that sport, we would be good. We don't care about the World Cup. And don't argue with me. Yes, we do. People watch it. MLS gets no ratings. None. People go watch football and basketball. Very true. They want to see freak of nature men dunk it, shoot it, hit the baseball, tackle somebody. That's what would happen. Now, I got off on a tangent, but I had a second follow-up question to that. (laughs) (laughs) With seeing somebody who is a physical specimen like DK Metcalf. Now, this is a question for me and you, for the average Joe. And it's been asked several times. Do you think on an NFL field that you could have one reception in a game? The way way you're at right now, do you think you could catch one pass in an NFL game? Absolutely, 100% no. So for me, I think it would depend on the number of attempts and how early I got knocked out. (laughs) So, yeah. If they had like 25 attempts in a game for me and they're like, all right, you can go out there because you could catch a screen, right? Hopefully you would think right. but somebody, yeah. if they put two people in front of you and you just had to take one step and catch it. Oh, I could do that. 
That's what I'm saying. I'd have to make a catch on my first attempt because I think the first tackle I took, I'd be done. I'd be like, hey, man, Agreed. I know you had 19 other plays for me, but I can't feel my legs. So, right. Right. so I'm done. Yeah, just just make sure the quarterback the quarterback doesn't leave you hanging out to dry like on the slant or something, you know, because we know what yeah, happens. They're, they're just <laughs> physical specimens, and it reminded me again of how great these people are and how much we should admire their dedication to that sport. And I know we love to sit here on podcast and talk about what we would do and what we wouldn't do, but it just reminded me that someone as in shape and athletic as DK Metcalf looked funny on that basketball court. You know, he didn't look he did. He did super for sure. smooth. He didn't look like a Kevin Durant or like a Steph Curry. Just reminds me again, I love watching the sports. I love talking about them, but they're freaks of nature and they're so good. And it's so fun to watch someone put that much time into their sport. It, it's just, it's amazing to be able to live here and see someone be that good at their craft. So, yeah. Awesome. Okay. Well, you know, I wasn't going to bring this up, but the more I think about it, I'm going to bring it up. I just need just a minute. I need to, I need to go a little bit off on a tangent. So yesterday I was looking at the NTAA rankings, top 25. Okay. Oh my gosh. If you bring up Mizzou, I'm disconnected. Hey, 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 well, well, first of all, don't be disrespectful. Okay. Remember whose podcast this is, right? Number two, I saw Kentucky ranked at 23. I saw Iowa State ranked. I saw um, two other teams in the top 25 that were ranked. Okay. That Missouri has beaten. Missouri's record is 21 and 8. Okay. Kentucky's is 19 and 10. So please tell me why Kentucky is ranked higher than Missouri. And like last time I looked, Missouri's projected as like a 10 seed. How is that possible when they have a handful of wins over top 25 schools and they have more wins than some of the schools in the top 25? Who has Missouri lost to? So you can't just look at no, wins. Exactly. 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 And you you want to know who uh, Texas A&M, who's ranked in the top 25? You want to know who, who, they, who they've lost to this year? Wolford. Where in the hell is that, bro? Missouri's uh, well, are you talking about the team a couple years ago in the March Madness that was upsetting everybody and nailed that? No, degree? no, you're talking about Wofford, right? No, Wolford. Oh, yeah, I don't know nothing about no Wolford, but exactly. So, what I'm saying is, is but Texas that... Tech plays in the Big 12, and the Big 12 is awesome this year. They have a lot of, a lot of good talent. If Texas Tech was to play in a different conference, would they have a better record? I'm not I... bashing Mizzou, I think. I think Mizzou is going to make some noise in the March Madness. They just have to get there. So I don't think you should be concerned about ranking. I think you should be happy that a team like Missouri, who has the potential to be good, might be seeded high, and they may get to play like a, an, an eight seed right off the bat. You know, Because if, if they're that mid-ranking, you just don't want to be 15 or 16. You don't want to go run right into a one seed. Okay, well, that, that's why I don't – or a 12. How good would Missouri be as a 12 facing a 5? How many 12 oh, I agree. Facing 5 every year? But like, also but so also you need to be more grateful, Mitch. I know. I will, I'll, all I'm saying is this. Is Mizzou better not be an 8 or a 9 because if they're an 8 or a 9, if they win, they play the one seed in the second round. That's disrespectful. And you said look at losses. The only schools Missouri has lost to this year have been in the SEC. So all those teams that they should have beat, they beat. Texas A&M couldn't do that. 
Kentucky couldn't do that. And Who like they lose to though. So so name the people they've lost to. So they played Washington University. They played Southern Indiana. They played Penn, Lindenwood, S I U E, which you know when you've got that many letters in your name, no one knows where you at. Mississippi Valley State, HBCU school, Coastal Carolina, Houston Christian, Wichita State, which isn't nothing what they used to be, Southeast Missouri, then they played Kansas, UCF, Illinois, and they started getting into their harder schedule. Bro, their first 10 games, they basically played local high schools. Yeah, and, so, you- does that, and so does every other college the first, you know, that that's what colleges who's, do. Who's Houston Christian? Be honest, right near, don't lie to the people listening to this. Have you ever heard of Houston Christian before I just said that? Absolutely not. That's what I thought. So 10 of these people they played, I'm not even sure if they're a college. This might as well have been Trump University. Bro, no. All I'm saying is this, is that Kentucky ranked at 23 is ridiculous. The only reason why they're ranked at 23 is because they're Kentucky, which I think that they're frauds. They may have gotten their stuff together, but we're going to see. I just can't wait to see what we do in the tournament. So that's all I'm going to say about that. You know what, though? If you guys beat LSU and you beat Ole Miss, you might be, you might be ranked. But I'm saying if I, was an, if I was an MU fan and I knew my team had the potential to be good, like MU does and like you know as, as an MU fan, I would want to be one of those mid-rankings. Because even though you're going to play the one seed afterwards – if you're 10 or 11 or 12 or even 9, you have a shot to really wreck some wreak some havoc, to be honest with you. Because your team shooting threes, that can travel. So you might be able to upset some teams right away. Well, I hope so. Can So we can just shut all the disrespectfulness. And, and as you know, it matters what region and bracket you get put into. Because, remember, a couple years ago, people were flipping out when KU had that horrible draw. Remember, they were in there with, like, Duke and Tennessee and all these great uh, powerhouses. Was like, man, if you can get out of this, you're, you're going to be pretty good. So, yeah. it all depends on your region, too, my man. So, okay, calm well, down. We're going to see. We're going to see. Down. Calm down. Okay. All right. So I, I just had to get that off my chest. So, all right. Well, my brother, it's always a pleasure. And guys, don't forget to follow us. Uh, we are on Instagram, That One Sports Podcast. Also on Facebook. Please give us a follow. And please remember, be kind. Because everyone you meet is fighting about that you have no idea about. Until next week. Peace.